So come on, my soul, don't you get shy on me, lift up your song. Cause you got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. And that's so good. That is so good. Hey, guys, I am so glad that you're here this morning, church. Thank you for being here. Uh, we are so honored to be with you. My name's Matt. I'm the lead pastor along with my wife, Tanya, here at Life Church, And we serve alongside of Pastors Mike and Ev Schroeder. Uh, what an honor it is to serve with them. And again, just so grateful that you could join us online, wherever you're watching from. For those who are here in the building, man, there was something special in this place this morning, isn't there? God is moving. Uh, before we dive into the message this morning, and what we're going to be doing, just so you know, I'll give you a little preview, we're going to be concluding our series on Abide. Have you guys enjoyed that series on Abide? Yeah, it's been, I've been really touched by it, and this morning we're going to actually conclude it, and um, we're going to be starting a new series next week. I'll give you a little preview. Uh, we're going to be going into the book of Ephesians, and the title is Grace and Glory, and I can't wait to dive into that. Um, uh, it's going to be amazing. I can't even, I can't even wait. It's going to be so awesome. But actually, I can't wait because I can't wait to preach to you this morning about Abide as we conclude this message. But before we do that, I feel like it is important for us this morning to recognize that there are some major events that are happening in our country this week. Um, for those of you who are unaware, there's a, a convoy of trucks that have gone across the nation uh, to go and have a peaceful protest at the parliament buildings. And here's a few things that I want to do this morning um, is I want to, first of all, I want to pray for this season in our, in our country, okay? Ultimately, our dream and our goal and our vision as a church is to see God lifted up over our nation. We want Jesus to be magnified and glorified. And so my stance is, um, you know, I often have talked about this. We are here to glorify God and see him magnified and lifted up. So what I want to do this morning, church, is as a church, I want to pray, first of all, the Bible says in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, therefore I exert you, first of all, with that supplications and prayers and intercessions and giving thanks be made to all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of our Savior. So first of all, I'm going to pray for our government, um, that God would give them wisdom and ears to hear and, and wisdom to know how to respond. We also want to pray for the peace of our nation. That's a godly thing to pray for. And then also, here's what I want to pray, you guys. Jesus commands us to pray, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're going to pray this morning that God's kingdom would be established and he would be lifted up and glorified in all of this. All right? Is that good? All right, Heavenly Father, we just thank you this morning, Lord God, that you are in control. God, you raise up and tear down kings, Lord God. You are Lord over all the earth. And Lord, this morning we declare that you are Lord over Canada. And we pray, Lord Jesus, as we are in this time right now where there is uh, so much division, Lord God, and, and, and so many things pushing up against everyone, Lord Jesus, I pray first of all for our leaders. God, that you would give them wisdom and, a, and an ear to hear and a heart to respond, Lord Jesus. Father God, I pray that you would override and you would speak to them, Lord Jesus, and show them the direction that they need to go, Lord God. Second of all, Lord Jesus, I pray, Lord Jesus, for the peace of our nation. I pray that there would be peace that would reign, and God, that you would unify us, Lord Jesus. God, that the one who unites us is greater than the things that divide, and I pray that you would be lifted up in our nation, Lord God, and Lord Jesus, that you would be glorified in the midst of all this. And finally, I pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in this situation, Lord Jesus. We thank you that you are 
in control. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would work in this. We pray for peace. We pray that your kingdom would come. And Lord Jesus, we pray that your righteousness would prevail. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. 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 Thank you, church. Thank you for joining with me in that. Um, Well, this morning, we are concluding our series on Abide. And for those of you who have not been with us, I'll bring you up to speed. We started out the year 2022 saying, listen, the, the strength of your faith will be in direct connection to how you abide and relate to Jesus Christ. And we talked about this idea that he who dwells in the secret place shall abide, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And we talked about this idea that the abiding in God is about this idea of resting in him, remaining in him, or dwelling in him, keeping your faith close to him. Pastor Mike did a great job of talking about uh, abiding through the word of God, dwelling in the word of God, and finding ourselves there so that we are now sons and not slaves. And then last week we did a health check. And we talked about um, uh, abiding in him. We, we, I gave you five, things to, five questions to ask yourself about where are you in your relationship with God. How do you know that you're abiding in him? And the big idea last week was this idea that he said, I am the true vine and you are the branches. And, and this morning we're going to go back to that passage and we're going to conclude that idea. Last week we kind of talked about the connection that takes place. That in order for us to, to grow and to be fruitful and to be healthy, we need to be connected into the vine. And this week we're going to talk about what it means when you are connected into the vine. What is the fruit that you ought to start seeing in your life? We're going to get really practical this morning. And I'm going to encourage you and challenge you that you would begin to see the fruit that God has promised in you. We're going to read two scriptures to begin with, then I'm going to pray, then we're going to dive into the word. Um, I've got three points for you today. I'm just giving you a heads up, and they have some sub points, so please don't feel cheated when I get to them. You're like, oh, it's number two, and then you keep going. There's some sub points there, all right? You guys with me? So first scripture, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 15, verse 5, and then I'm also going to read to you from Psalm 68, verse 19. I'll give you a few moments if you have your Bible so you can turn there. It's John chapter 15. If you have your app, you can click on over there. If you're at home, maybe just slide your computer over and get on your Bible. My favorite one is Blue Letter Bible. That's one of my favorites. And you can go on there to John chapter 15, verse 5. And this is what it says, the word of God. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. Everybody say fruit. Fruit. All right, Psalm 68, verse 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. The God of our salvation. Selah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. God, we come under the authority of your word, and we recognize that you are the God who speaks to us. You are the God who reveals yourself to us, and we thank you that you use your word. Your word does that, Lord God, and we thank you that your word will accomplish what it is set up to do. It will not return void. And Father, this morning we pray that as we hear your word, it would be seed that would go deep in our hearts, and that it would indeed bear good fruit in our lives. We pray that each one of us would be changed this morning as we hear your word, and we would not be the same, and we thank you for that now in Jesus' name. And everybody said. Amen. Well, this week was a very special week in the Jansen home. Um, He asked us not to do this, but we told him we were going to anyways, because we're the mom and dad. Uh, My son Josiah today turned 14 years old. 
our ECAM operator extraordinaire in the back, turned 14 years old. And we just so happened that this week was a very special week because um, Josiah actually had a couple of days off school that we didn't know he was going to have. And one of the things we've been talking to him about that I've kind of semi-promised him is that, you know, I wanted to teach him how to ski. And he had never been before. And so it turned out that we had Thursday free, and we decided that would be a great day to do it. And we wanted to intentionally take him away kind of as a, you know, a rite of passage into manhood and, and do this whole, you know, thing about courage and, and stepping in. And we had all these values, but we went skiing on Thursday. And during, when I was trying to set up the ski the appointments and whatnot, I was trying to get some lessons, but with COVID and everything, there just wasn't anything available. And so I called up my dad and I was like, Dad, do you think it's reasonable for me to think that I could possibly teach him? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I think you could probably teach him. Now, here's something that you need to know. When I was 18 years old, I switched from skiing to snowboarding. And then I haven't snowboarded in 20 years. And I haven't put skis on my feet in 24 years. So I've got a 14-year-old boy that's never skied. I've got uh, 24 years of lapsed time between skiing. What could possibly go wrong? Right? And so we get up to the ski hill, Seymour. It's a glorious day. I wouldn't just bring you into this. It was beautiful. We show up. There's nobody there. The sun is shining. Remember, it was like really foggy last week. Well, there was like this layer of fog right along the outside. So it felt like you were like skiing on the clouds. It was just stunning. And we show up, and we go through, we get our stuff, and, you know, walk through the rental place and get all sized up. And the first time he tries on ski boots, and I get on my ski boots, and we walk over um, to the hill where you practice to get good. They call it the bunny hill. It's a green. It's cool. So we show up there at the bunny hill, and and I'm like, okay, you know, what could possibly go wrong, right? Well, we got about, like, five feet down the hill, and I knew it was a disaster. I was like, oh, no. What am I going to do? And he was getting frustrated, and I was getting frustrated. I'm like, okay, this is what you do. You just, you put your skis together, and you snowplow. And he's like, what's that? I'm like, I don't know. Just try putting your skis into a pizza formation. And he's like, why would I do that? I'm like, just do it. Just try it. And then he'd go, and then he'd fall, and he'd get frustrated, and I'd try and pick him up again. And we got about halfway down the hill, and I'm like, oh, man, I just wasted all this time and all this money on this day. This is brutal. What are we going to do? And so I looked at him, I said, listen, son, if you can make it down to the bottom of the hill and back up again, then I will go back to the ski shop and just see if there's somebody there who will give us a lesson. And he says, okay, that's fine. And so we got down to the bottom, eventually, you know, ski, fall, ski, fall, ski, fall, frustrated, I hate this, ah, and get all the way to the bottom, and then we go back up again. And he looks at me, he goes, you know what, Dad, I think we can try that again. Really? Yeah, we can try that again. So we tried it again. And it wasn't going great. Now, here's what we did. I had ski poles, and he didn't. And he said, Dad, do you think I could maybe hold on to your ski poles, and we could try it that way? I said, sure, why not? We've got nothing to lose. This is frustrating enough as it is. Hold the ski pole. And you know what happened? Josiah became connected in to me. He grabbed onto that ski pole. And I was able to go, and I was able to turn around behind me and go, okay, Josiah, here's what we're going to do. We are going to put our weight on our left foot and we're going to lift up our right foot, and it's going to make us turn to the right. And so he did it at the same time, and we turned, and we went down the hill. I said, okay, get ready, buddy, because we're going to put our, foot, our weight on the other foot, and we're going to lift up our left foot, and it's going to make us go to the left. And he did it, and he made it all the way around. And I said, okay, let's do it again, and let's do it again, and let's do it again. See, when Josiah was disconnected from me and trying to figure it out on his own, he was so frustrated, and it was going horribly. But what we discovered is that if Josiah grabbed a hold of that pole and he stayed connected to me, 
He could follow right behind me. And the fruit of it, you guys, is that by run number four, he was flying down the hill by himself in control, just so we're all clear. And he did awesome. And by the end of the day, he was running the blue runs with me, and we were going up the chairlift. And it was amazing. But it all started because he came and became connected back into me. He became connected back into me. Well, the imagery that we have this morning is this. I am the true vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and this means to remains in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Church, just like Josiah on the skis, we need to stay connected into Jesus. And here's what the promise is, is that, that we're, if we're connected to him, if we're connected to him and we're abiding in him, then the byproduct that will happen in your life is good fruit. Is good fruit. And here's my main thought today. When you abide in him, he fills your life with his benefits. When you abide in him, he fills your life with his benefits. And I don't know about you, but I want to know, what kind of benefits are you talking about? What are the benefits that I can expect from the Lord? This morning, I want to encourage you, he's got great benefits for you. We, we had a, um, I'm not sure if it's already been up there, but we had a, 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 a connection, arrow to health, to fruit. Yeah, so this is what it is. We're connected into the Lord, we're connected to Jesus, and that produces health in our lives. And when we are healthy in him, then the fruit starts to grow in our lives. And on the vice versa, it, it flows both ways. Because when there's fruit that's happening in our lives, that's a sign that we are becoming healthy in him and we're connecting back into the true vine who is Jesus. Church, we want to be connected to him. If you want to learn to ski, you've got to hold on to the pole. If you want to have fruit in your life and the benefits that he has promised us, you need to remain connected to Jesus. Amen? Amen. So what are these benefits? Well, that's what we're going to spend the next few moments talking about. There's three points I'm going to give you this morning. And the first point is this. Abiding in Christ leads to Christ being formed in us. Colossians 1, 27 says, For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives us assurance of sharing his glory. Oh, I love how Paul says it in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then Galatians 4.19 gives us this promise. My little children, for whom I labor in birth until Christ is formed in you. When you remain in the presence of Jesus, when you abide in his presence and you pursue him with all of your heart, one of the byproducts is you become healthy. And when you become healthy, there begins to become fruit that begins to grow in your life. And it, part of that fruit is that Jesus is formed in you. It's Christ in you that is the hope of glory. You know, I've always found that when you spend excessive time with others, you begin to take on their mannerisms and their language. You know? You ever found that? When I was 18 years old, I went down to the United States of America. Some Americans here. Went down to the United States of America, and I went to a place called the City Church in Seattle, Washington. And one of the byproducts of being in Seattle, Washington, where all of my heroes were, is that A, I started to talk like them, and B, I started to walk like them. So I'm going to let you in on a little bit, a little secret here, okay? 
I spent two years following a man by the name of Pastor Steve Carpenter, and he is probably the coolest person I've ever known. <laughs> to this day, he's one of my heroes. And if you ever see me doing this, Tanya hates this, by the way. She's like, don't do this. If you ever see me doing this, it's because when Pastor Steve would get going, he would lean back, and he would just start talking about Jesus like this. And he had this, like, accent and so if you ever see me doing that, it's because I spent time following after him. I spent time abiding with him, hanging out with him, and, and I started to take on some of his mannerisms and some of the way that he acted. When we abide in Jesus, when we spend time in his presence, when we pursue him, you start to reflect his glory. 1 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of God are being transformed into his image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. God is transforming you into the image of Christ. So when you're walking around in your day, it's not just you, but it's Christ in you that is bringing hope to the world around you. You know what that does too? That takes the pressure off of you. It's not on you to figure this out. It's abiding in Him. It's spending time in His presence. It's being aware that He's with you. And that awareness and that abiding in His presence produces the life of Christ in you. So you can walk in confidence. Why? Because you're so awesome? No, because Christ is amazing. And he dwells in you. You can walk in peace. We're going to get into that in just a moment. We're going to get into that in just a moment. I love this quote from John Piper. Christ forms himself in the lives of those who will let go of all forms of life in which they have shaped on their own. Christ takes shape in a life that is willing to become putty in God's hands. Christ presses the shape of his own face into the clay of our souls when we cease to be hard and resistant and when we take our own amateur hands off and admit that we are not such good artists as he is. Christ be formed in us. Christ abide in us. Christ be formed in us and so that our lives would reflect his glory and not our own glory. Number one, abiding in Christ leads to him being formed in us. Number two, abiding in Christ changes our attitudes towards others. What is that fruit that we talked about? If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. If you are connected to the vine, if you are connected back to Jesus, you will bear much fruit. We begin to, as, as, as Christ is formed in us and we begin to act more like him, we begin to reflect his character. It just pops out of us. It's supernatural, and it's not something that we can work up on our own. I love how David Guzik says, he says, fruit isn't achieved by working, but it's birthed by abiding. Second Peter 1.4 says, by which we have been, have been given to us exceedingly great and precious, precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. It's Christ in you. It's Jesus dwelling in you. And of course, we have a list here from Galatians chapter 5 of the fruit of the Spirit. And we're actually gonna, just going to touch briefly on each one of these because I want to encourage you because I believe that there's a prophetic word in these, in, these, in these words today for somebody in this place and it's going to minister to you and it's going to bring life and healing to you. So I want you to listen to this because we're going to touch on each one of these and we're going to chew on them for a second. You guys cool with doing a little bit of Bible study with me? All right, here we go. But, this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. What are they? 
love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. We have fruit from abiding in Him. What is the first one? It's love. It's love. Now, how does this fruit manifest itself in our lives as we abide in Him? Why? Because the Bible tells us that He is love. In Romans 12.10, it says, Be kindly affectionate towards one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another. In 1 Corinthians 16.14, it says, Let all you do be done with love. And then Romans 5.5, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. You'll notice that these first two passages that I read have to do with an action of love that comes from us. But the secret to that type of love is not that you work it up in your own soul and in your own spirit, but the secret to that love is that he has poured out his love in our hearts. Somebody needs to hear this today. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you because he loves you. Oh, because he loves you. Because he loves you. Because he does. He loves you. Now, when you abide in Jesus, that reality becomes something that you begin to agree with. I love how John spoke about it about himself when he would say, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Church, I think we need a church of people that walk around saying, listen, I'm the follower of Jesus whom he loves. Right? Come on, I'm the follower of Jesus whom he loves. You say, well, Matt, you don't understand what I've done. You don't understand the shame that I carry. You don't understand the weight and the things that have been done to me. But he loves you. He loves you. Man, that concept transform my life. I've always known that. And I went through a season in my life where things were dark. And there was, a, there was a season in my life where I was wrestling with so many different mental things, and I was wrestling with so much shame and so much weight. And you know what happened during that season? There was a song that came out that transformed my life because I decided to agree with it. And this is what the song was. He loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves. And I begin to sing that to myself. You know what happens is when you agree, that's called faith. Faith is agreeing with God. When you agree with that truth in your life and you integrate that into who you are, you know what? You can't help but love other people. you will turn around and find that you can love people that you never thought you could love. As we abide in him, as we experience the love of God being poured out in our hearts, it runs over to others. His unending, constant, sacrificial, honoring love. Number two is joy. His deep, enduring, inexpressible joy. First Peter 1.8, whom uh, having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with inexpressible joy. Joy inexpressible and full of glory. Joy inexpressible. The Bible tells us that in your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures evermore. As we abide in Jesus, we get a joy that is a deep, 
abiding, unending joy. I'm not talking about happiness here, church. I'm not talking about pursuing things that bring you temporary pleasure. I'm talking about an eternal joy that the world didn't give you and the world cannot take away. There's a deep, abiding joy. When you abide in his presence, there's joy. I love how Barclay says it. It's not the joy that comes from earthly things, still less from triumphing over someone else in competition. It's a joy whose foundation is God. Somebody needs joy this morning. You can't even imagine having joy this morning. But there is a God who is the giver of all good things. And his name is Jesus. And he's calling you this morning to abide in him and to remain in him and to trust him that first of all, he loves you. And second of all, he's got joy for you. There will be a season of joy. And there will be a depth of joy that will fill your heart as you abide in him. Next one is peace. You guys with me? Can we chew on this a little bit more? I'm going to pull up Pastor Steve here. <laughs> His supernatural gift of peace that passes understanding. Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Church, we need peace today. And it needs to start in us. It needs to start in our hearts. And where does it start? Does it start by, oh, I'm going to have peace today. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. No. I want to live my life in the shadow of the Almighty today. I want to be overshadowed by you. And so I'm going to walk in that today knowing that you guide my steps, that the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord, that each step is led and guided by the presence of God, and I'm going to walk in it, and I'm going to take each step in faith today, knowing that you go before me, that you've prepared a way for me in the presence of my enemies. I do not need to be afraid, for your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I will walk with the peace of God. Amen? It comes from abiding in Him. Next one is patience. It's a gift from God. 2 Thessalonians 3.5 May the Lord lead your heart into full understanding and expression of love of God and the patient endurance that comes from Christ. God can produce patience in you. Did you know that that's the first definition of love in, in 1 Corinthians 13? Love is explosive, wonderful. No, no, no. Love is patient. When we recognize how patient our God is with us, man, how often do I stumble? How often do I fall away from the Lord I love? How often am I led astray? Do I drift away from his presence? But he is patient with me. And church, he is patient with you. And when you recognize that and you abide in that, that's who he is, that's his character, that's his nature, then you begin to have patience for people around you. The next one is kindness. We are recipients of his kindness. Ephesians 2, 7. That in the ages to come, he would, might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. He has been so kind to us. He has been so kind to us. I, there's a saying that goes like this. Um, hurt people hurt people. You ever heard that one? And I, I think it's true. I think a lot of times... I've found that when I'm talking to people and they lash out at me, my first question is not, oh, what's their problem? It is, like, actually, what is their problem? Like, are they okay? There's something wrong inside of them. Why can I do that? Because I abide in Christ, and he's so kind to me. And when I come to him with a terrible attitude, 
or I come to him on a Sunday morning and I'm just not feeling it, or, or whatever it is, he is kind to me. So now I can turn that around and I can be kind towards other people. You see how abiding in him creates this fruit in us? Do you see that? The next one is goodness. We receive his goodness and therefore we're able to pass it to others. Come on, his goodness. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Psalm 107 verse 9. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Amen. Psalm 23 verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Come on, don't you just want to take that goodness and just pass that on to the world around you? Show the world the goodness of God. Come on. Romans 2, 4. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of the Lord leads you to repentance? Man, if you ever need to wonder, has God been good to me? You're here right now as a sign of his goodness. Okay, not just to hear me preach. <laughs> but because your heart is after God. There's a part of you that desires to know him, that desires to seek him, and it's the goodness of God that drew you to his side. And so we can respond with thankfulness and joy, and we can bring that goodness with us. There's going to be a fruit of that that's going to come out in our lives as we walk into the world around us. See, abiding leads to fruit. Abiding leads to fruitfulness. Faithfulness Psalm 119.90, your faithfulness endures to all generations and you establish the earth and it abides. Barclay calls it this, it's the character of a man who is reliable. He is faithful. He is faithful and he is true. He doesn't leave us nor forsake us. He is always with us. He, he cares about our every detail. He knows every hair on your head. He wrote down each one of your days in a book before you lived one of them and he remains faithful and true. He is the rock of our salvation. Amen. He is a firm foundation. And so we stand on that faithfulness. And when we know who we are in him, because he is faithful, we can have confidence to live a life that is faithful before him as well. I love this saying. Um, I think it's Eugene Peterson wrote this book. And it's called, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. So much of our faith is not in the explosive or the moment. Um, there are moments that take place. I mean, hey, I grew up, I'm a pastor's kid, so I grew up at youth camp, and that was awesome. You go to youth camp, you get this mind-blowing experience with Jesus, and then inevitably you kind of peter out. And then you have to go to the next youth camp and get another mind-blowing experience with Jesus. But as I've matured and as I've grown, I've begun to understand and respect and honor faithfulness. Because our faith is actually about getting up each day and taking another step towards Jesus. It's faithfulness. It's faithfulness. It's a long obedience in the same direction. Church, would we be faithful? I'm so grateful for all of you. You're faithful, faithful congregation. Thank you. Next one, character of a man who's reliable. We've got two more, you guys. You guys are doing great. Gentleness. Oh, this is a good one because it's so weird. Gentleness. Aren't you like, gentleness? What is that all about? Here's the idea of gentleness, and I know I've told you this before, but it's this idea of strength under discipline. Okay, when we talk about meekness, we're not talking about weakness. I think I've told you this before. When we sat in the, um, the wing of the parliament buildings where they used to plan their war effort in World War II, and we sat with a retired army officer uh, when I was there with a group of interns, and he sat down around us. He says, listen, I want to tell you what meekness is. He says, meekness, the picture of meekness is a, is a war horse that is heading out to battle, 
but it has a bridle in its mouth, and it's, it's disciplined, and it's strong, but it knows how to keep its strength under discipline. Gentleness is not just lying, lying down and letting people walk all over you. Gentleness is having kind of the next part, actually, which we're going to talk about in a second, is self-control. 2 Corinthians 10.1. Now I, Paul, myself, am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence, lowly among you, and be absent and bold towards you. Psalm 145, verse 8. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and great in mercy. The word here, David Guzik says this, has the idea of being teachable and not having a superior attitude. It's not demanding one's rights. This idea of gentleness. He, Christ first. It's, it's Jesus first. It's him first. And so I come under his discipline. I come under him. And I submit myself to Jesus. And here's the last one, self-control. Proverbs 16, verse 32, better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. Hebrews 4, 15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. When you abide in the presence of God, we have a great high priest, Jesus, who was tempted in all things, yet he had self-control. And he did not sin. And if that's an area of your life that you need help in, and you need the presence of God in, abide in him. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You know what? And all these things, they'll be added to you as well. Did you hear that? So what are the benefits? Christ is formed in you. We get to experience the fruit of the spirit in our lives because we're in his presence. This is his nature. This is his character. Are you with me? And here's the last one. When we abide in him, it causes us to share the gospel as an outflow. It causes us to share the gospel. Like you can see, live the gospel as an outflow. 1 John 4, 15 and 16. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. So it says here, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides, abides in him. So a byproduct of spending time in his presence, of remaining in him, is that you will begin to confess the Lord Jesus. So this is what this looks like. You're hanging out with a friend who's going through a tough time, and you don't know what to say to them. But you've been abiding in the presence of God. And so they're like, I'm wrestling with this thing, and I just don't know what to do. And you can turn to them in all honesty and authenticity and say, listen, I actually don't know what to tell you, but I serve a God who can help you right now. Do you mind if I pray for you in this moment? Church, I've, I've seen this happen over and over and over again, and I've rarely had somebody say, please don't do that. People are typically open to it if you say, can I just pray for you? Because I don't know how to help you, but there's a God who can 
And in Acts chapter 4, verse 29, we see a picture of this because uh, the disciples are in the upper room and they're praying. And it says, And now, O Lord, hear their threats. Give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand and heal with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And then after praying this, after abiding in him, after remaining in him, after praying these prayers, the meeting place was shook and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they preached the word of God with boldness. Before, they abided in his presence. After, they preached the word of God with boldness. Before, they spent time with Jesus, so they were saturated by his presence. They were overflowing with his goodness. They were filled with the fruit of the Spirit. And after, they preached the word of God with boldness. This is that idea from Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that says, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And it says this, You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I love that passage because it doesn't say, you shall go and witness very well. You shall know all of the theological terminology so that you can influence others around you with your, in, your superior intelligence and lead them to Jesus. No, 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 no. You will be empowered by the Holy Spirit, by abiding in my presence. And then what is it? You become a witness. You will be my witnesses. Come on, turn to the person beside you and say, you're a witness. You're a witness. You're a witness. God has called you to go out and to reach out to the world around us. So the benefits of abiding in his presence, of remaining in the vine, is that God will begin to have Christ be formed in us. We'll start to manifest the fruits of the Spirit in all that we do because we're recipients of that fruit in our own lives. And it gives us the strength that we need and the energy that we need to, to live a life that is pleasing to Jesus. And then finally, we become witnesses in everything that we do. Abiding in Christ leads to Christ being formed in us. Abiding in Christ changes our attitudes towards others. And abiding in Christ causes us to live and share the gospel as an outflow. Church, as we conclude this message today and we conclude this series on Abide, I want to encourage you that the success of your faith in the year 2022 will be in direct connection to the health of your relationship with Jesus. Church, let's remain in him. Let's abide in him. Let's be intentional and disciplined to pursue his presence. Because if we go deep, and learn to abide in Jesus, then we will have no choice but to go wide in how we live this out to the world around us. Church, as we close today, I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads for just a moment, and I'm going to pray for you. Um, but first of all, I just wanted to just speak briefly to anybody who's watching online right now. There may be some in the building here as well, but if you're watching this message today, and you've never received Jesus into your heart. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Now you might be thinking to yourself, well, I'm, I'm not worthy or I don't even know what that means. Well, the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means that we've been separated from him by our sin. Everybody, including me. But God shows his love towards us in this, that while we were yet sinners, 
he paid the price for our sin by dying on the cross. The Bible tells us that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And listen, if you're watching this right now, wherever you are, it's not an accident and God is calling to you. And this morning, here as a church, we're going to pray. And also just, hey, if there's anybody here this morning that needs to receive Jesus into their hearts as well, I want to give you an opportunity. But I'm going to pray a prayer in a few moments that you can pray with me. In fact, church, just by faith, why don't we just all pray together? And we're going to pray and we're going to believe that God is reaching people right now, wherever they are. You want to receive Jesus today, let's pray. Dear Jesus, I come to you today and surrender my life. I ask you to be Lord of my life. And I repent and say sorry for my sins. And today I receive your righteousness. I thank you today that I am a new creation in you. And I give my life to you. Come have your way, Jesus. Amen. 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 And now as we close, let me pray for you today. That God would reach you. That he would work in you. That you would begin to see this fruit that we're talking about today. Can I just encourage you again? This isn't something that you need to work on. a message saying, listen, if you're not acting this way, then you, you got to check yourself. This is a message of grace. And this is something that you can experience yourselves in your day-to-day -day lives. And I believe, church, that as we seek first his kingdom, as we go after the things of God, he is gracious, he is compassionate, he is merciful, and he will fill you with every good thing. He daily loads us with benefits. So, Lord, I just pray for each person here today, Lord God, all those under the sound of my voice, Lord God. And I pray for your grace and mercy to overflow in our hearts. Father, I pray today, Lord Jesus, that, God, we would be drawn to you. God, that we would uh, be drawn to you, Lord God, that we could seek you first, that we could put you in the premier position in our lives, Lord God. And, Lord Jesus, we pray, Lord God, that as we do that, Lord Jesus, that you would be formed in us today. Father, that you would continue to be formed in us, that we would be more like you every day. God, as your word says, we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror, the glory of God are being transformed into his image from glory to glory. God, I pray for another level of glory for each person here today, Lord Jesus. I pray for your divine enabling. I pray that you would bring a spirit of encouragement and strength into this place, Lord God. I pray against the spirit of shame, oh God, and I come right now in Jesus' name, and I declare this to be a place of freedom and hope. I thank you that there are great things in store each one here, Lord God, that you've got a plan and a purpose for each one. And Father, I pray that we would rise up to live in it, Lord Jesus, by your grace. Thank you that you're here with us now. Thank you for your word that reminds us of your goodness. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody say, amen.